Hey there on this 11-14-2021 years after Jesus did some things. CDB, that's Eric Deshaun Barrett, and I believe you're connected to this because you're ready for our Sunday meditation, which will begin in just a few moments. Hello? I hear you. I hear you. What happened here? Hello? Where did she go? Hello? What, 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 am I, what am I doing? Can you hear me? I hear you. You got to be there. Are we the only ones? <laughs> she can't hear me. Hello? Hello. I don't know what's going on. Didn't get your grandmother, huh? Am I live? Hello? I'm not even hearing my. I'm here. What is going on here? Hello? Hello? I'm here. Just me. You here? It's me. Bell. I cannot hear you on my you phone. You can't hear me? Oh, you don't hear me? I can hear you on here, but I can't hear you on my phone for some reason. Oh, well. <laughs> I'm here. I don't know what's wrong with Loud you. Loud and clear. I, mm-hmm. I tell you what. What? You hang right up and sit by the phone. I'm going to call you right straight back. Okay. All right. All right. So, we're going to do this. I'm going to call her right back and see if I can't hear. There we go. There we go. Now I can hear you. Now, let me try to connect again and see if we can't get back together. No, I want the church line. Get this back on here. And uh, see if we can't fix this. Hello? Hello? Oh, there we go. You got me? Okay. I got you. All right, then. I, I got you. Okay. I'm glad yeah. I didn't dress up for nothing. Well, you know. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. It's always nice to be able to chat with you. <laughs> yeah, you got on your nice, pretty clothes and yeah, look, looking all spiffy. With that, and paid all this money for these clothes. Yeah, you can't even see this job. Yeah. Okay. 
I can't believe you went. <laughs> you ain't paid all that money. We can't even enjoy you. Uh huh. Yeah. I'm going to go up here see if she's up. Okay. I haven't heard from her. Yes. <laughs> no. I hear. <laughs> let me uh let me get her in. Okay, okay. I'm standing by. This uh get this on here for Granny. And uh is the church number up here? Well, you know that uh, I don't know it. Oh, hold on. I got to figure out how to use this thing. One five one eight two six three. There you go. Put it on uh, speaker. And uh, there we go. We ain't got grandmama in. Okay. This is what you call wrong service. <laughs> All <of it>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, we do. We we, we got to do what we got to do here to make sure. Because, you know, it's cold and yeah. the weather didn't change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People is trying to get themselves together. So much. Uh, did Grandmama get here? Huh? I don't. I, oh, there. I heard it. I heard it. Oh. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I had to. I had to go dig her out of glory land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Booth would be here. Huh? She was sleeping good. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. Well, uh, Brother Dennis has arrived, and Booth will be here in a in a very few moments okay. to begin our time of prayer. Uh, and uh, I hope everybody got the clocks finally set. I know I'm still working on it. It's a big high. <laughs> I've told myself by the time you get them all changed, it'll be time to change back so, and it's starting to get cool outside, so, you know, get your arthritis medicine and everything and rub down your bones. We're going to pray for all the people who uh, the weather don't agree with. And uh, there's a lot of things for us to pray for. I want us to pray, if I can just put this in here. Uh, down in Georgia, Brunswick, Georgia. Yeah. Uh, the defense attorney got up and made a uh, one of them what I like to call asinine statements. Hey. And he said, we don't want no more black pastors coming in here. That's right. 
tried to deny. Yeah. And then they put it on the screen. Verbatim, he's saying it. Exactly. And so, you know, that raised, that, that, that enraged all of the preachers down there. So, you know, keep them in their prayers. They are, they are strategizing and they're preparing to go to war down yes. there in Georgia. Barbara, was you going down and stand up? Are you talking to me? Yeah. Am Pastor I going Eric. to Georgia? Pastor Everett. Listen, I got enough walls here in Norfolk. I, ain't, I can't leave here. <laughs> you got to stay here and help us. Uh, okay. I, I got to stay here with these walls. All right. But, you know, I... There, there, there's enough of them down there. They can handle that. If it get too bad, we'll, we'll send in reinforcements. We got reserves. But anyway, just send your prayers and everything down there to them on the serious note and, uh, that uh, whatever they need to to deal with down yonder can be dealt with easily, as they say in the name of the Lord. Uh, is is our uh, is our friend here? No, he ain't got here yet. So we'll let you start praying quietly to yourself over those matters, uh, other petitions that you may have. Uh, pray for us as we consider doing other things around here. We're looking about getting back out and doing some exercise. So pray for us on that. We're getting back out here to do that work. We got a lot of things we're praying for today. The bald-headed preacher's arrived, so we'll just go ahead and let him start with our prayers. Thank you for such a gracious introduction, and good morning to everyone that uh, is on the on the wild intended church this morning. We praise God and thank God for just another week that he has kept us and allowed us to live. Let us pray. Most gracious, eternal Father, we thank you. We give you glory and honor for this day. We thank you for waking us up this morning, clothing us in our right mind, and giving us the activities of our limbs. It is because of you that we live, we move, and we have our being. Such a gracious Lord you are, and we thank you. You're everything that the Bible, the Word says that you are, and it gives us joy, and it gives us refreshing assurance that you are a God of your Word, that you are who you said you are. There are many deities They claim that they are deities But they don't have the track record that you have Hallelujah They haven't created anything Whatever they use is they have to Use what you have created And, and so therefore we decided to Trust you Lord and, and give you the glory You give you the honor You are Yahweh, you are Yahshua You are Elohim you your great Jehovah, and we praise you, Lord God, and we thank you for your dear son that came and died and on that tree suffered a brutal death that we may 
have this opportunity to walk in the in the newness of life in this thing called the kingdom. And we thank you for the kingdom. We thank you for allowing us to be a part of your kingdom. Uh, uh, we thank you for allowing us to be an ambassador for you. And we thank you for the finished work of the cross. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives with us. And thank you, Lord, that we don't have to depend upon man to to rely on you. We could we could touch you. We could go to you and 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 be uh, confident knowing who you are. And and we praise you for that, Lord. And we thank you for that. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us, guiding us to all truth. And we thank you for bringing us to where we are right now. Such a great God you are. And we thank you. We praise you. And God, as we come this morning, we just come and we join our faith together. We intercede and we stand in the gap, Lord God, for different situations all across this world. Things on our mind and our heart. Things that are dear to us. And God, we come together this morning as brothers and sisters, Lord God, of you. And saying, Lord, here it is. We place it at your feet. You say, cast, literally cast, throw our cares upon you because you care for us. Thank you for caring us. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for caring us. As we look back at the footprints of life, Lord God, we realize that you brought us, but they want our footsteps or our legs that brought us. It was you, and we thank you for that. And we glorify you, Lord. And God, as we come this morning, we do pray, we do intercede for our families, our friends, our loved ones. Father, this is a terrible world out here. We we don't have to go into a lot of explaining and telling you what it is all about, but you know. And Lord God, we come and we stand in proxy for these things. Father, there are some things that are um, ailing us and, and, and got us uh, maybe aching a little bit this morning. And we might have to pop a couple of pills this morning just to make sure some things operate right in our bodies. But, Father, we thank you for the medicine. We thank you for the dollars. But most of all, we thank you for your touch, your hand touch, the healing hand touch that you touched us with this morning. Mama used to say you woke us up this morning with that finger of love, and we thank you for that. And, Father, we bring to you our different issues and ailments, and, we, Father, we ask you, Lord God, just to touch us and give us strength to continue to do what we do for you. Lord God, we pray, God, that you will just open up our hearts and our minds to continue, Lord God, to believe and trust in your word. Even though our bodies try to tell us, don't trust you, even though the doctors give us the, the uh, antidote or they give us the uh, what they see and what they discover and what they feel that is wrong. But, Father, we thank you. You are greater than any doctor. You are greater than any physician. Father, we know that you can heal. But, Father, we have family members. We have people that are dear to us that are sick. And, and Lord God, unfortunately, some of them don't know you. And, Father, we just pray, Lord God, that they will come to know you. We come earnestly before you, Lord God. You said that in your word that you wish that no man perish, that every man come into repentance, Lord God. And I just pray, and we just pray, Lord God, that you will just touch the hearts of those that don't know you, Lord God. And you know who they are, and you know how dear they are to us. And we just pray, Lord God, in Jesus' name, Lord God, that you will touch their hearts and touch their minds. We pray that no man... Lord 
Lord God, whether they're young, whether they're old, whether they're middle-aged, whether they're well or whether they're sick, Lord. You wish that no man perish, and we wish that no man perish, but they all will come unto repentance, come to know you, Lord God. And we just pray for them, Lord God. Touch their hearts and touch their minds. Lord God, we just pray, Lord God, that you would deal with their heart, Lord God. Oh, some of them, they, they knew who you were. They grew up in a Christian home, Lord God. They they even, some of them got baptized, and, and they went through the, the, the rituals of the church. But, Father, we pray now that they uh, just remember the rituals, but remember who you are. We pray for that relationship that, Lord God, that they will confess their 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 love for you, Lord God, that they will confess that Jesus is Lord and, and that you that, that Jesus is the son of you, Lord God. And we just pray, God, that they would do that, Lord God. Touch that person that's on the brink of death and bless that person, Lord God, and touch the hearts of those who are just getting here, Lord. And God, we thank you, Lord God, as we go through life, Lord God, so many uncertainties. We don't know what's around the corner, but we walk by faith and not by sight, Lord God, knowing that around the corner, wherever, whatever thou lot, thou hast taught us to say that it is well. And Father, we pray, Lord God, it will be well with those, Lord God, that it will be well with those, Lord God, that don't know you, well with those who are stubborn-hearted, Lord God. And we just pray, Lord God, for the stubbornness and the softness of their hearts. Lord God, if you can turn a king's heart, you can turn the hearts of our loved ones. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And Father, we honor you this morning, Lord God, as we lift up our neighborhoods and our cities before you, Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing, Lord God. People are caring about a, a lot of things, Lord God. They are caring about whether they can eat, Lord God. Food prices are gone sky high, Lord, and gas prices are gone sky high, Lord, and they're talking about another ram of COVID, Lord God, and schools, Lord God, are being infested, and nursing homes are being infested, Lord God. God. Hospitals are running over with sick people, Lord God, and we just we just pray this morning for change. We pray, Lord God, that you will intervene. We thank you for what you did last year in 2020, and we thank you for what you did in 19, and we thank you for what you've done so far in 21. We come now down to the 11th month of, of this year, Lord God. And, and God, you blessed us to live. There are a lot of people that, that left off the scene, Lord God. They are now resting in your presence. But you left us here for a purpose. You left us here for a reason. And Father, as you have given and you still revealing unto us, even at whatever age we are, Lord God, we are still, Lord God, vital to the kingdom. And Lord God, we just pray, Lord God, in Jesus' name, that you will continue to open up our hearts and open up our our minds. Give us what to pray for. That that person across the street and around the corner. Thank you, Lord God, for placing them on our hearts, Lord God. Praying for our leaders and our government. Praying, Lord God, that you would just touch them. Lord God, those who are in the military, Lord God, they have given their, even given their life, most of them, Lord God, literally gave their life, Lord God, and some of them didn't make it and some of them did, and, and some of them that did make it, Lord God, I dealing with so many mental problems, Lord God, and we just pray, God, for them, Lord God, that you will just 
just soothe their hurt and, and give them stability of their mind. And, and I pray, Lord God, that you would just give them assurance of who you are, Lord God. And we thank you for that, Lord God. You're such a great God, and you're greatly to be praised, Lord. And the, and the cold weather is coming in, Lord God. We thank you for shelter. And, and God, we trust, Lord God, that there's not going to be a night that we're going to be in the cold. There's not going to be a day, Lord God, that we are not going to be able to pay our bills. We thank you, Lord God, for touching hearts on our behalf and giving, Lord God, favor and giving us what we need in this day, in this time, in this season. You're such a great God, and we, we love you today, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for sparing our clothes that's on our backs. They could have worn out, but God, you allowed them, Lord God, to stay together and hold together, to hold us together. Oh, my God, we thank you. We thank you. We praise you. We give you the honor and the glory. It belongs to you and thou name and the name that's above every name. In the name of Jesus, amen. At this time, we are coming to the part of our prayer that is not over. And it's probably, I shouldn't have said amen, but because we are locked here together and there are many issues that we are having, circumstances that we're in, even things that we see with our spiritual eye and our natural eye that needs some prayer and some things I know that I didn't touch that is concerning your heart but I believe that as we come and pray and that the power of agreement we might not know what everyone is saying and what everybody is throwing on the altar but the Bible said where there's two or three gathered in his name he shall be in the midst and I believe that he's in the midst of us now now let's take those things to the Lord now in prayer We just thank you. We just give you glory this morning for this another day that you have kept us. And we believe, Lord God, and trust that our prayers have been heard by you. 
And, Father, we pray, God, that you will continue to bless this service today. Bless the pastor that will be bringing the the word, Lord God, and just, just stretch him beyond his limitations and use him to pull out to us a word that is going to literally change our world. And, Father, we thank you for what you have started. You're able to complete it. And we thank you for it. And we give your name the glory because it's due you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, he kindly will help me. He will ever care and love for his own. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that Jesus cared for you? I don't know about you, but I am. I am. I'm so glad that he cares for us. Well, good morning and welcome to First Virtual Church. And we pray that you are uh, ready to receive from the Lord today. And and as we continue to um, praise God and worship God together, you know, what I love about God, he's everywhere at the same time. And we thank God for that. And on the behalf of our pastor, Eric, and and his wife we welcome you today and and just just enjoy the service and enjoy let this be the start of not just your day but your week and so go ahead and get your stuff um together your notepads and your coffee and all that together and and let's get prepared to receive what the lord has for us today and we bless the lord for it and we thank god for you well good morning brother dennis how are you this morning I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Pastor Boo, thank you. Thank you. Um, so I see that uh, Eric has forgot who you are, but we won't go there. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, but, he's bald-headed you know, preacher. Be, I know who he is. Yeah, you got to watch what you say, though, you know. It may come back to, uh, you know, whatever. But anyway, good morning, everyone. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for your prayer. Morning, morning. We, we love you no, no matter. No matter. You know, and that's one thing that, uh, you know, Jesus teaches us and God teaches us. It doesn't matter what we look like on the outside. It's what we have on the inside and who we, who we, uh, who we follow and who we worship. And, and that's, a, that's something that, uh, you know, I have to remind myself all the time. You know, we, uh, the Bible talks about that in so many different ways. You know, sometimes, um, you know, it says, do not store up treasures in where? On the earth, you must store up your treasures in heaven. Uh, because the treasures on earth are what? Uh, they're just earthly mm-hmm. treasures, you know? Mm-hmm. There's, you know, uh, a, lot of, a lot of generations, and uh, I don't know whether it's true now, but, you know, it's like, who has the most toys wins? Who has the fat? You know, the fastest car, the prettiest car, the, the biggest house, the biggest boat. Uh, you know, uh, look what I have and look what you don't have. Uh, I don't think, does that go on anymore? Uh, I hope not, but I know it does. You know, people people believe in, uh, 
uh, things. If you have things, then then you're you're the you're the king, you know. And uh, that's the way it was uh, from the beginning, right? That's the way it was from the beginning. You know, look at Cain and Abel. Everybody, you know, they're jealous of each other. Uh, you know, so we we have to we fight that all the time. Are you jealous of? Of your uh, siblings, are you jealous of your neighbors? Uh, you know, are you jealous of the the the, 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 the big house on the hill? You know, uh, you know we have to, you know, put everything in perspective, and not, uh, you know, we have to be careful. Basically, uh, what we where we put our trust in, and, and uh, where's your trust? Where do you put your trust? And uh, we're going to look at the the Old Testament today. Okay. And uh, it's very uh, short and sweet, and like it always is, I try to find some verses that that say a lot in a a very short period of time, so you can remember them or think about them or or just, uh, you know, take them with you. So as you're you're writing this down, I am in 2 Kings uh, chapter 1. Verse 38 and 39, Second Kings in the Old Testament. Obviously, it was about kings, right? <laughs> anyway, so chapter uh, chapter 1, uh, excuse me, I did say chapter 1, I'm sorry. Uh, my old eyes are old, so let's try this again. Second Kings chapter 17, there you go, verse 38 and 39. Okay, it says, do not forget the covenant I have made with you. And do not worship other gods. Okay, that's chapter uh, verse thirty-eight. Okay. So who made the covenant? God made the covenant with with the people of Israel. That uh, you know, and He's talking about the covenant of what? The covenant of the commandments. You know, don't put other gods before me. Okay, uh, because in verse thirty-eight is is the kicker. It says. Rather worship the Lord your God. It is He who will deliver you from the hands of all your enemies. And, and the whole thing is, it's not just one enemy, it's just all your enemies. So, what are your enemies this morning? Who are your enemies this morning? Are your enemies the, the Satan, the Satan that's in, in yourself, the Satan that lives next door? The Satan that shows up on that uh, television screen, you know, what enemies get into your head and, and try to pull you away from the from the uh, from the covenant you, you made when you accepted the Lord Jesus as your Savior, when you said to Him that you will follow Him all the days of your lives. Is, is that is that other other <laughs> other God trying to pull you away from that? You know, think about that. You know, you have to remember what the covenant you made with God and with yourself. And it's a fight, a daily fight. And like I said, every time you, well, not every time, but sometimes when you turn on the TV or pick up the newspaper or maybe listen to your neighbor, it's like, wow, I never thought about that. But is it good or bad? You know, (laughs) in with the... And with the good, they're not with the bad, right? When you go to the doctor, they try to get rid of all your bad, bad things that are in your, going on in your body and give you the good things that will preserve you and make you strong. Well, that's what the Bible does to us. We put in the good word of God and, and get rid of all the bad words that live in our, 
ourselves. You know, sometimes our friends give us give us advice, advice, and we may deem it good advice. But the best advice is the advice we get from our our Lord and Savior, we get from God uh, through through His messages and, and through His Holy Spirit. But most of all, you know, through the Bible. And I've talked about this before. When you have a problem, where do you go? You go to the Lord. And you go to His Word. And you use that, His uh, Holy Spirit and you use His Word to strengthen your decisions and your uh, as far as what you want to do and, and why you want to do it. You, know, you believe in the, in the Lord your God with all your heart. You trust Him with all your soul. Because he will deliver you, not from just one of your enemies, but all, all of your enemies, whatever they may be. Are you your own enemy? Hmm. Sometimes we are. And that's something to think about. So this week as you go through life, and maybe even today, just take a minute and just pray. Lord, give me the strength to withstand the enemies I have. Now, the enemies within, the enemies within myself within my own thoughts and deeds. Sometimes we do stuff, and after we do it, it's like, wow, why did I do that? That was really what? I'm not going to go there, but yeah, sometimes we say that, don't we? Or think that. But sometimes we have to just stop and think before we take that step, before we do that. You know, before you step across the street or across the street, you look what? Up the street, down the street. Look both ways before you cross. But do you look both ways again before you cross? Just to make sure? I do. Because sometimes you don't see everything. And that's the way our life is. Sometimes we need to look both ways. Not just once, maybe twice. And sometimes even three times before we make that decision. To make sure that we're doing the right one. We're doing the decision that will glorify God. And that will be the right decision for us. So think about that. Pray. Pray before you make that decision. But most of all, then God, like we do every uh, Sunday morning before we start our service, we have Pastor Booth come in and he prays for us. And he, and he thanks God for what God has done for us. But we should also thank God for what he has done, not for us, but for everyone we know. And to give us the strength to do the right things, to do the things we know we should do, but we don't do it. So think about that. Look both ways this week. Amen and amen. Well, I'm glad I heard one voice. Mm-hmm. The other one is stuffing her face with Cheerios, and she can't speak right now. I understand. I Cheerios. We want to uh, uh, thank and, and appreciate Brother Dennis and and Pastor booth and all of those things, all of those people who are with us, and uh, I don't know where our problems are this morning, it seems that the devil is in the line, but we're going to push through, 
seems to be static in some places, but that's all right. We'll figure it out somewhere down the road. But I do want to make a a quick statement to you, and I'll get into that a little bit later. While you're praying, we did mention to those of you who are, might have been late that uh, on next week there will definitely be an issue out down yonder in Georgia. So while Mama Bell is praying, can you please specifically pray for our pastors, our friends in ministry, and fellow uh, churchmen and women as they deal with the issues that are going on down in Georgia. Reverend Al Sharpton is meeting down there. Uh, uh, Attorney Benjamin Crump is going to be down there. Uh, Dr. Jamal Bryant, who is the pastor of New Birth Missionary Baptist Church, is going to be down there. Uh, and a couple other preachers. Those are the main lines that are going to be there. So please keep those names in your prayers as, they, as they're fighting for what they believe in. Everybody deserves to fight for what they believe in. And uh, so. Mama Bell? Mm-hmm. You feel like tickling the in my phone. Well, that's all right. We'll make it through. We we, we told the story. You told the story, though. You're probably hearing hearing the dog's water and and 
and it's a lot of moving parts going on this morning. So I'm going to get up and move out. But I would like for us, if we can, to travel to the book of Ruth. Chapter, let me figure out what number I'm going to be in. Ruth chapter 1. Can't find what I'm doing with my life. There we go. Ruth chapter 1, verse 20 through 21. And reads, Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, she answered. For the Almighty has made me very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi? since the Lord has opposed me and the Almighty has afflicted me. I would like to briefly deal with the subject that uh, may seem a little bit hard for church folks. We're going to work through it today. I want to deal with the subject that some Christians ask they have to struggle with God did this to me God must have done this to me our kind father we thank you for this opportunity and we thank you for the privilege we also ask for clarity we ask for clearness of the line that the settling of all of the issues so that we can clearly hear what you are saying unto us. We thank you for this moment. We, your spiritual jurors, have to come, as I like to say, for therapy. We believe in this therapy, this healing process, mentally and spiritually. And all those in agreement with that prayer respond with a howdy. Amen. 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 I believe it's very hard for some in the faith, especially those who have been around for quite some time, because we've been indoctrinated into a certain ideology. We've almost, in some cases, been brainwashed. I'm not here to use brainwashing in a negative term. Some brainwashing can be good. As a matter of fact, my sweet old little granny, the great granny, that's the mother to my grandmother, would always say there's good and bad in everything. And so I would like to put that here and leave that as a pinpoint for those who 
uh, might have taken some offense to the word brainwashing. But the reality is that there has been some brainwashing that has gone on down at the church. You come in as a new convert and and they have uh, an idea or an excuse me, an ideology known as discipleship. And discipleship is designed to kind of beat various things out you, which also connects with the scriptures because uh, the Bible, by way of Paul, who uh, spent many of his days writing letters, uh, most of them discussing the acts of Jesus, but only one or two times do you hear about Paul actually having a conversation with Jesus. That's another piece of business I deal with uh, down the road. But Paul comes in and he, uh, in his words, have always taught or has taught about the beating out of you. We beat our bodies into subjection. We beat our minds into subjection. And all of these things are very, very good. But it somewhat plants us in a place of uh, reality amnesia. It plants us in a place of societal dissonance. It somewhat makes us a little bit uh, tone deaf to the things that are happening around us. Paul also has an answer to this when, at least in the spiritual or in the religious community, he would, uh, this is used, that we are supposed to uh, not conform to the things of this world but be transformed. And so they use that as, a, as an out to why they are tone deaf, to why they don't pay attention to the things that are going on. So all that background being put in place, it, it sets the stage for why a subject like ours today can be a little bit troubling, hard to swallow, if you will. I feel good about this therapy session already. I just got into the introduction. Because it causes us to miss the true authenticity of humanity. It causes us to somewhat dismiss our own humanity. You read Naomi and you read her response to her issues, and it's almost looked at in a self-righteous mindset because how dare she breath or speak or have the mitigated gall to say some things out of her mouth. I remember growing up down in the church when if you ever walked in the plane, kind of look at you funny and cuss you out and then finish and start complaining themselves. But they are, their act to you was, as good as God's been to you, how dare you complain? How dare you talk about your problems? How dare you come in here and say what you're going through as good as God's been to you? And then I said after they would finish cussing you out, they would go and complain. That is not uh, me trying to be funny, but that was a uh, addition 
more emboldened outlook, a better proof to my case that it is easy to sit in the seat of self-righteousness because we have been immune. We've kind of forgotten that we are human. And also in forgetting that we are human, we're kind of tone deaf to our own words. Sometimes it's hard for us to even hear what we're saying to ourselves. And so Naomi has this problem. She has this problem that has affected her mentally, has affected her emotionally, and dare I even say has challenged her spiritually. It's a problem that, again, if I can stay on this, this mindset of Christianity uh, breeds even more of a problem. Uh, it's one of those things that uh, we have a problem as Christians with somebody having to pick up a cigarette to suppress their stress, or grab a drink, to kind of mellow out their problems or smoke a little uh, marijuana to calm their nerves. That's bad until you get sick. And then it's seemingly all right when the arthritis comes in and you got to take a Percocet for the pain. It ain't nothing but drugs. Or you get a little cold and you got to take some Robitussin to break the fever. It ain't nothing but alcohol. And even our friends who suffer from epilepsy, epilepsy which results in various seizures, the prescribed medication for them is a little bit of the marijuana because it mellows out their seizures and causes them to be less effective on them or less traumatizing on them. Self-righteousness. It's not bad. It's just programming. Self-righteousness, as I said, has been used as a bad word. It's been used to kind of put people down, but it's how we have been programmed that is really the problem. Our friend suffers because she's found herself in an awkward position She's lost everything. I find, as I was thinking, because I, I deal with this in therapy, my personal therapy. I go to Bible class for therapy. I have to say this because uh, everybody needs therapy. The reality of it is the society by which we operate has found a way to take our needs and put a price tag on it. I love it when I hear people say, oh, you need to go talk to a therapist. You're going to write the check? No. Then it's a funny thing that the things I need I can't afford, so somewhere I got to get it from somewhere else. That's why I don't like therapists. Whole another conversation. i deal with that tomorrow. But I recognize the need for therapy, and so I open the scriptures and I look at this and I look at the text and I look at it humanistically. And I ask the same questions that Naomi asks when I get in my troubles. God, do you really not like me? 
Do you really not care? And again, I know that is something I must repeat myself here. Repetition is is key in some cases that it's hard to swallow, but even our friend, our elder brother Jesus said his moment of weakness twice he had this moment once in the garden, the second on the cross. First with the guard when he comes in and he says, God, or Father as he referred to him, I don't want to do this. I'm tired of this. This is horrible for me. This is disturbing to me. This is despicable to me. Any type of negative connotation and feeling that you can apply fits here. And then he and God come to an agreement. He's like, all right, I understand that you got an ultimate plan. The same as God spoke with Brother Jeremiah over there in the 29th chapter and the 11th verse, he says, I got plans. Before I formed thee, chapter 1, verse 5, in thy mother's womb, I got plans. And I know that you have found yourself, Jeremiah. I understand where you are, my dear son Jesus, at your garden of the Gethsemane moment, but I need for you to understand that I still know the plan. I'm going to need to put a pin right there with Jesus if I can and kind of go back. Because there's a second point that I want to mention. First is when he has a conversation, Jesus does, with his father, and he is talking about his frustrations. And then there's a time on the cross. Now, now for some of us, it is a speculation. For some of us, it is a feeling. But for Jesus, it was an outright fact. He knew his father had turned on him. And he screamed out in frustration, I would like to argue the same feeling, the same emotion, the same frustration that our sister Naomi had. My God, my God, why? Have you done this to me? If I can take a few moments to appeal to that piece of frustration that you're having right now, because I know that I've also, again, disturbed your spirituality a little bit. Well, we must go over and look further down into the New Testament where there's a conversation that Jesus' credentials are discussed. They said, look, we do not have a high priest that has not been touched, but through all things he has endured. Anything that man has felt, anything that man has lived, anything that man will have to go through, Jesus, our high priest, has already done. So that's where I can become confident that he and Sister Naomi were in the same place. I'm going to get back to Jesus in a minute. I told you we're putting that pen there. Please remind me if I forget. Naomi, our sister, is going through an issue because she's lost 
everything and she's feeling a bit bitter. And I thought about a side of people, some that I've even, or a side that I even must include myself in in some instances. We all have two people in our lives, at least two, that fit in one of these categories. In this case, our sister Naomi, it was her husband. The scriptures in some cases indicate, and what the scriptures do not indicate, definitely spiritual historians will fill in the blanks as much as they can, and theologists will also contribute. That Naomi's husband was good to her. Naomi's husband, in some cases, was the ultimate uh, enabler. You know how it's like to be enabled. I know that a lot of you are sitting here, you've been single uh, for a significant part of your life. You've learned how to put your own gas in your car and tie your own shoes and, and comb your own hair. But then there's others who literally the very draws on their behind is bought, paid for, and even put on by somebody. The ultimate thorn or sight of enabling. You have those people who are so desperate to not see their wives, their husbands, their children fail, that they'll give their very last drop of water to bail them out of trouble. And in some cases, if not many, those children not become or grow up to not become codependent but ultra-dependent on their parents, on their wives, on their husbands. Sociology will complain or will compare that as the ultimate stage of entitlement. I know sometimes but that's light. I've even used that card a lot on the job, various social situations. There's nothing for me to say I'll be at the house. I got food to go home to. I got a roof of my head. I ain't got to deal with this. And then you have the other side of the coin. The other side of the coin that is the ultimate motivator. They are the ones who do everything they can to push. They do everything they can to make you strong. They do everything they can to make a man or a woman out of you, and it seems that they are just these evil individuals. My lovely five-foot-eleven uncle, evil man he is. He never had a kind word to say. Every time you went to him, it was something that you forgot. Red ink pen, everything. You ever had somebody red ink pen? Every, you, every idea got red ink pen. The evil English teacher. Sometimes I think she just liked 
to see the sign of blood can never get nothing right. Sometimes it's hard when you're caught between the enabler and the motivator. It's easy to reject the motivator. It's easy to dismiss the ideas of the motivator. It's easy to call them evil and stupid and they don't care about me because I'm being enabled. Naomi, I believe, found herself in that enabling position. And the both are good. Both are great. But I also have come to realize in my moment of therapy is that the devil operates in both of them. You say, how do I know this to be the case? Well, let me go back to Jesus. It was a time in that same garden when Judas Iscariot had come. Judas Iscariot can be identified as the ultimate motivator because the plan of salvation, the purpose of Jesus, the mission statement of saints cannot be fulfilled without the betrayal of Judas. Judas played the ultimate role in this great story. And even though he's demonized for various reasons, that kind of makes sense. Why did you have to betray Jesus? That was your best friend, blah, 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 blah. But the ultimate motivator meets the ultimate enabler. Brother Peter, when the soldiers came as the next realm in the process, the next step in the position in the plan for the ultimate plan of Christ, the ultimate plan of salvation. When the soldiers came to try to take Jesus, Peter reached in the fiery little person that he was, and he cut off the soldier's ear, and Jesus had to do two things. First, he had to heal the soldier's ear that was only doing his job. Then he called his friend, the ultimate enabler. He said, get thee behind me, you devil. I thought about that. Because as I said, the ultimate enabler and the ultimate motivator are two very good people. But it also suggests that the enemy can cover his tracks by trapping you at each end. If you over-enable, that means people don't grow up. That means people can't figure out how to do it on their own. That means people can't figure out how to find their path. They always need you. They always have to depend on you. Nothing can happen without you. But if you motivate them, well, then you're evil. You put me in depression. You make me feel like I'm nothing. You make me feel like I can't go nowhere. You make me feel like I can't do nobody. The devil has got it blocked at both ends of the trail. I come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And if I can trap you at both ends, I can play two hands against the middle. And so we find our friend in this moment as she's trapped. Because now she has another problem. 
She's lost everything. She's lost her enabler. She's lost her love. The motivators are speaking to her. They are the people who are fussing and telling her how she can't. And then you got this young lady who wants to step in and literally take the place of the enabler she lost, but she can't do it because she's angry. She's hurt. She's frustrated by the struggles that has now overtaken her. I find myself, as I say, I come here for therapy, feeling this way. I find myself constantly in that position, understanding. I've talked to various people who share in that thing. Because another piece of the business or the piece of mindset that has been beaten into us that must somehow be driven out is that the preacher and the Christian, for that matter, does not suffer. Brother Peter later wrote in his first epistle, the first chapter, somewhere around verse 7 and 8, he said, listen, you got to go through some things. Your mama got to die. Your cousin got to run over by a bus. Your dog got to get shot up on 38th and Collie. All these things have to happen. You have to be depressed. You have to wake up and feel like you want to die. You have to wake up and even think about taking your life. All of these things have to happen because the only way that you can know that you can overcome is if you have gone through it. You'll never know if you can pass a test if you never take it. You never know if you can drive a car if you never get behind the wheel. You never know if that dinner is going to be good if you don't at least try it. There are things you got to deal with if only to prove that you can do it. That second half is always the struggle because the first half is always the threat. Oh, if you have a problem, you must be a sinner. If you're struggling, you must have done something wrong. You say, where do you get that from? Well, Brother Joe, can we talk about him for a little bit? Let's take a walk through the Bible. We need to walk. Exercise is good for the soul. Brother Job came out, went through his piece of business, and all his friends, the ultimate motivators they were, they came over and they said, listen, I don't know what you did, but you must have made God really mad. Because you went from Jeff Bezos down to a hooker on the corner. And even the hooker's looking at you funny because you can't even do no services. 
So you might as well just go ahead and, and, and accept the fact that uh, you in some serious trouble here. You did something wrong. Now, I know that I just also made some folks a little bit spiritually confused because I just said that sin is not the cause of all of our struggles. But at the same time, let me go ahead and give you a path to be correct. For we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. So let's put that right there and then use it where you wish. But then there's those moments where, again, I go back to Brother Peter. The Bible is very complicated, full of different ideas. It's, it's, it's almost like a, a, a congressional bill. It's got a lot of moving parts, does the scriptures. Some things happen to prove the point. But as I mentioned, I know I'm moving a lot. Please forgive me. Go back and get the tape when it comes out. It'll be out at maybe 9, 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on this Sunday, 11, 14. You think about this, this middle line here between the things that you got to go through and the reason why it has to happen. And somewhere in there, you find Naomi. Somewhere in there, you find our brother pastor in Texas that took his own life. Somewhere in there, you find another preacher and a teacher who's drowning themselves in cognac and Jack Daniels, Bugatti, and all that other great goose stuff. Somewhere in there, you find you and me. Somewhere in there is our hurt and our frustration and our struggle because, A, we got these problems and we don't understand what we did wrong. We always try to find something in our past because they told us what we have sown, so shall we also reap. So we try to put everything as something we have done. Oh, if I hadn't have spit and grabbed my food five years ago, I wouldn't have roaches crawling through my iced tea. Oh, if I hadn't went over there and walked through the garden and messed up grandmama's begonias, I, I would not have dirty shoes every time I walk outside. If I hadn't have went and drove all the way to Virginia Beach and went in the house and forgot to turn the call, I would not have problems keeping gas in my tank now. It's always something. Every time we get in trouble that we try to link back to what, this is my fault. I'm to blame for this. And it doesn't help. Somewhere along the line, there's always an alternate motivator. Oh, your church ain't working where maybe God ain't calling you. Maybe you need to consider another piece of employment. I look at a lot of pastors who won't go in ministry because the money ain't right. I'm not mad at him. The pastor making $25,000 got a $100,000 mortgage. You do math. That ain't adding up. You got the same with a teacher. 
Our teachers have to go to school and they have to teach for eight to ten hours a day. And then after they finish teaching, they have to go home and grade papers and do lesson plans and call parents and make sure that this is done and that is done. On top of the fact that they probably are going to need a Walmart job because, again, 25000 to 30000 on a $150,000 loan, it doesn't add up. And, oh, by the way, I haven't even added in school loans yet. I haven't added in car notes. I haven't added in gas for that car. License, registration. All of these things that face our people and the ultimate motivators want to come along and say they don't need no more money. Because one or two preachers went and got a Lexus with the church rent. They want to look at everybody's funny. Because one or two teachers might do some things on the TikTok that's a little bit questionable. They want to look at every teacher funny. Just because your teacher looked at you nasty, I had about four or five of myself. But that don't mean all of them are bad. A laborer is worth his salary. And part of the reason why many people find themselves trapped in that bubble where Sister Naomi is is because they have lost everything. I had a lady down at our church when I was growing up. Let me get ready to get out of your hair. And the lady was a great teacher, Cassandra Green. Lord, Cassandra Green could teach anybody anything. But Cassandra Green came, we were riding in the car one day, and I never forgot it. It's one of those things that you put back in your subconscious and it pops up when you think about something like this. She came up, and she was a teacher. She was over at Ruffner. She went somewhere else, and then she left the school system and went into the finance community. And the people looked at her and talked about her funny and said she should have stayed a teacher. don't make no sense why she gave that up. But I just explained to you why she did she went to the finance committee or community because she can get a job making $150,000 a year, which would not only pay for her a nice place to live, food in her refrigerator, and all of the, the accoutrements that we need. I'm not talking about won't. I'm talking about need to survive compared to a teacher's salary where she was guaranteed to struggle. So she quit. I put that into your mind. Wherever you go to church, that organ is on there. It was gas that was put in his or her car to get to that church. She need a salary. The man who comes in and sweeps up the floor after you put your chewing gum and your rolled up paper and your mint wrapper. He had to give up time. He needs something in his pocket for appreciation. 
Even the lawn man who comes out and cuts the grass and picks up the Pepsi bottles that you threw out the window along with the chicken bones that now the birds have come along and delightfully enjoyed and left their appreciation with their poop. He has to have some type of appreciation. This is why people are feeling like they are because they have done what they believe they were called to do, and yet they're still struggling and lost. God, I've given everything to you. I've fed the poor. I've clothed the sick and the naked. I've gave them medicine out of my own cabinet. And now I got bursitis and rheumatism and arthritis, and I ain't got a pill in the house. Do you not love me? Do you not care? And I'm going to conclude with this because there's a plan. There's a plan, and that plan is what I mentioned on that cross. He said, I know what I want. I don't want to deal with this, but I know the ultimate plan. Because of what Jesus did, because he submitted himself even unto the death of the cross, because... He followed through, and he went through his Naomi experience. Even though he dealt with the reality that God did this to him, he realized at the other side, all power, all power, is in his hands. And not only that, but these things I have done, you shall and greater. And just like he has power, you and I can have power. We can have power to not be afraid to speak our minds. We can have power to not be afraid to stand up for what we believe in, to voice, lift every voice, and sing till earth and heaven rings, rings with the harmony of liberty. Let our rejoicing cry high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud. As the rolling sea. We can do that because we have power. We can do that because we have realized that even though we went through this moment of loss, my granny used to say one time, I believe she got it from her mother. I know I heard it from both of them. They would say, poverty is doomed to face you at one point in your life. You're either going to deal with it before, you're going to deal with it after. But the moment of the reality is it's a proven ground 
it helps you to see that I can do all things. That scripture is just words on a paper without proof. How do you know you can do all things you ain't never had to do nothing? How do you know that you can survive if you never had to struggle? How did David know that God would be with him if he never had to walk through the valley and the shadow of death? You look at who you are. You are who you are. I am who I am. We are who we are because of what we have been through. And so the question is, did God do this to me? In many cases, yes, because he knew that you were strong enough to handle it. He knew you would be an overcomer. And most importantly, he knew on the other side you'd be better. If you will take a moment and think about your struggles. Peel back the the onion of religiosity, the onion of self-righteousness, the onion of brainwashed churchism. Peel all that back and get deep down to the crime section where it really disturbs you. And say, dear Lord, would you help me? I'm in a testing moment at this moment. This is a person who has been through a course-long study session, and now I have arrived at the final exam, and I need to pass. Because the next grade does not happen until I pass this exam. And so, Father, I've now recognized in this moment of therapy that the reason why I keep repeating this cycle, the reason why the same folk keep coming up in my life, the reason why the same struggles keep occurring is because I got to keep repeating the same grade over and over again. But if I pass this time, You'll change my environment. You'll change the people. Most importantly, you'll change me. It's designed to make me better. Would you pray that over yourself? Sister Grandmother with us. We let while you're praying over yourself, Sister Grandmother will conclude with us in prayer. Yes, Jesus love me. Yes, Jesus Yes, Jesus is with me wherever I go. Whatever I go through, he's there with me. Most gracious and all wise Father, we just thank you this morning. 
We thank you for your word. And God, we ask for you to let that word sink down in us and to encourage us. Whatever we are going through, knowing that you are there with us, knowing that you care about us, you will not let nothing come to hurt us. But you will come to make us what you want us to be. Holy Father, we come this morning saying thank you. We thank you, O Holy Father, because we know that you are there with us. We know that you love us. In spite of what we are going through, we know that you care. And we can say thank you in the midst of the situation, knowing that we can trust you. We don't see, we don't understand. But God, we know that you see all things. We know that you hear all things and you understand all things. And we put our trust in you this morning. Merciful Father, we just want to say thank you. We thank you and we love you, dear God. And God, we are trusting you. We love you because, God, you first loved us, and you care so much about us. Help us to always remember how much you love us. It's nothing that you would do to harm us. But you know what we need to learn. You know what we need to go through. And we ask you right now to strengthen us, oh God, and keep our eyes focused on you. Keep our hearts in tune to you, knowing that you love us knowing that you care so much about it. We just thank you this morning. We praise you and we magnify your name. And we give your name all the honor, all the glory, all the praise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Have a great, great day and a great, great week. May Jesus keep us near the cross. Thank you.